What is happening, everyone? Fresh off of a big-time fight card in Austin, Texas that gave us nothing but thrilling finishes, I am Colby Daniels, along with Will Brewer, getting ready for another fight card that I would say is 100% the definition of a sneaky good fight card coming up on Saturday. I think that term is thrown around a lot. I don't know how often it's actually appropriately thrown around this Saturday is what I would define as a sneaky good card. But first, we got to talk about everything that happened in Austin, Texas, because it was sensational from start to finish. Will Brewer, how are you today, my friend? Great, man. Uh, first, I wanted to wish you a happy Father's Day. I know I text you, but I wanted thank to you, wish you, you. a uh, happy Father's Day on the on the air. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a great weekend. Um, I'm ready to get it going, man. All right. We've uh, we've got a lot to talk about uh, before we get to this card. Um I've got to bring up, I finally started watching Tough, this season of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, and I got hooked and I finished all seven episodes that were available in like, well, I started it started it at night, watched like three or four at night, went to sleep, woke up the next morning and finished the remaining episodes. So in like a 15 hour window or so, I, I'm completely caught up. So I'm ready for the next episode. And you were right, it's, it's uh, solid across the board. And I feel like it's kind of gone back to, you know, a little bit of the Ultimate Fighter roots, if you will. Yeah, you know, I, I like it. Um, a lot of people have lost interest in the Ultimate Fighter, but I, I'll admit you probably have to be a hardcore fan to, like, really want to get in tune with the Ultimate Fighter nowadays. But, I mean, once you start to watch it, I mean, I feel like it'll really draw you in. Most people watch it for the drama between the coaches instead of, like, you know, the story behind all of these fighters coming into this house, you know, putting everything on the line, trying to get a UFC contract. Um, I, I'm intrigued by that. Like even w watching last season with uh, Volk and Ortega's teams, like I was very interested in the in the fighters and their journeys. Yeah. And then you know the same thing with this season. Um, of course, you know that there's bad blood between Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena, but I mean that's not even a part of the season really. They're they're really just two coaches coaching these fighters uh, who are trying to you know get that UFC contract. So. Uh, and the fights have been solid. You can tell all these fighters have been uh, putting it all out there, laying it all on the line. So I, I'm definitely been intrigued. Fights have been a lot of fun. Um, I know what you're saying about the drama, but this is a reality show, right? Like if it was just focused on the fights themselves, that's why you have contender series. Like the ultimate fighter and the contender series are separate things. If you just want nothing but fights, there's contender series. You want a television show that maybe encapsulates a little bit of like personality, a little bit of drama along with the fights. Like that's what I want. And, like last season with Volk and Ortega, I, I feel like they kind of got away from the house and, you know, some of the stuff that just happens that kind of adds just an element to, as the viewer, you having some sort of like maybe rooting interest within these fights in terms of, you know, the people themselves and, and whether you think they're likable or unlikable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, this season... You know, Amanda and Juliana, they, they haven't really said too much of anything. I guess like me being a, a hardcore fan and really like just being intrigued by the fights and, and everything, it, it it piques my interest just, you know, seeing fights and stuff. Sure. So, but you're but you're right. Um, you know, this is a reality show. So I guess like when there's Rampage and Rashad, you know, you know, their bitter rivalry just, you know, coming almost coming to blows on TV, like Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei Silva, like Conor McGregor. I mean, I've never seen anybody take over a show like Conor McGregor took over the Ultimate oh, Fighter, yeah. and he wasn't even fight—he wasn't even fighting Uriah Faber. But it just seemed like they were just destined to have a fight just because they're—they were just coaching opposite each other. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, but you know, me just being a hardcore fan, yeah. I'm just—I just love all these fights and stuff. So, I mean, I, I've really enjoyed it. Well, I'm gonna watch it either way, but it, to me, it just feels like it's a waste of time. 
um, with all the other stuff. If you're just if you're not like giving us the the house and drama before the fights, if you're just wasting all of that airtime to then just get to the fight, then just move that fight to contender series and save us all 30 minutes of nonsense. You know what I mean? So I like that they've kind of gone back to what I feel like is, you know, like they gave us the the drama between Usman and Sype. Uh, they gave us kind of the drama between uh, Claire Guthrie and, and Juliana Miller. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's kind of created an, an added element that's fun to watch once you do get to the actual fight itself, uh, which is why I think in the beginning we all fell in love with the show in the first place, right? So um, I, I could use a little bit more maybe Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes drama. I don't necessarily need that to enjoy what the show is because to me it's more about the fighters, but... Man, Juliana Pena is so damn likable. Oh, man. Is Juliana not just so bad, man? I'm sorry. Let me not. Juliana is is a very, like, you can tell she's very passionate yeah. about this, um, about coaching and about winning. Uh, like, all of the all of the times she's fighting, like, you can hear her, like, screaming at the top of her lungs. Uh, like, she's so into it. She's so intrigued. She wants her fighters to win so bad. And, like, I don't get the same vibes from Amanda. Like, I know, like, Juliana was the one who brought this uh, to the table. I'm not going to say Amanda's, like, not interested, but I don't get the same type of, I'm putting my all into this. Yeah, Yeah, the same type of passion that Juliana's uh, bringing to the table uh, from Amanda. Yeah, which which I think makes her easy to root for in this thing, right? I mean, because she's so invested, I think naturally you want to see that investment pay off. So, uh, yeah, it's been been a lot of fun. And, I mean, I, I will say this. Like, I, I'm excited about that rematch anyway, but it certainly, as it normally does, added some intrigue to, you know, what that fight ultimately is in Dallas, Texas at the end of July. For me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm sure, like, Amanda, you know, she's being professional and everything, but I'm sure she is chopping at the bit oh, yeah. to really just get to get her hands on Juliana Pena. You know, she Juliana completely embarrassed her um, back in December when she took the title from her. She literally called her out. And did exactly what she said she was gonna do. Um, took her title. It made made Amanda just look. I'm not gonna say weak, but just you know, it was a dominating. All the win. stuff that she was. Yeah, it was it was a dominating win. Like she's jabbing she's jabbing the shit out of Amanda, and there was nothing Amanda could do about it. And it, and it was absolutely crazy. Like yeah. when you when we were breaking down the fight, we were talking about Juliana's wrestling and everything, but it wasn't the wrestling that did it. It was this jab that Amanda just could just didn't have anything for. And of course, you know, Amanda's talking about how she was injured and then she moved camps and everything. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Amanda to, you know, get this done. And I feel like um, Juliana's playing with house money at this point. So yeah. um, I'm very intrigued by this uh, and it's going to be a main event. So I think, you know, adding the tough element helps it be the main event and everything. So, I mean, Dallas, Texas, man, I think we're in for a good one, a good main event. Yeah. It's at least like helping my excitement level of that card. And like I said last week, it's not that I'm not excited about that card. It's just when you look at the card that comes before it, you look at the card that comes after it, that one just kind of feels like it's somewhat lacking, uh, which is kind of disappointing because that's the one, you know, that's going to be close and and maybe an opportunity for us to to go check out. But uh, yeah, anyway, Austin, Texas, man, that was pretty awesome right i mean it was it was great to to have a fight night back in front of a live crowd on top of the fact that i mean nearly from start to finish will everybody delivered like this was finish after finish after finish like i you know that's that's what we tune in for right man i I tell you what that was probably the best set of prelims and i i really try not to be a prisoner of the moment and everything but 
that was the best set of prelims that I think I've seen in in a long time. Um, off the top of my head, I can't really say like what would even rival that. Like I know the London card had some really good prelims, but man, uh, what what this card did in Austin, Texas? I mean, all the fights, finishes, devastating finishes at that, yeah. um, and, and even the decisions. Even the decisions, there was two decisions on the prelims, and both of those, they were they were women's fights, but they were both really good fights. Uh, and then it just carried over into the main card. Uh, that card was just sensational, man. I, I can't say enough good things about that card. Only, wow. only four decisions on the entire card, like you said, the two on the prelims that you just described, and then the two on the main card, like those were such great fights that uh, you can make the argument, you know, who won those fights, which we will in a moment. But, uh, yeah, this was a, a lot of fun. A, a terrific fight card, um, Austin, Texas, and, and the crowd, and the whole thing uh, was just a, a big win. And uh, we get ready for a fight card this weekend that uh, I've seen a lot of complaining about on social media, especially about uh, the names on the marquee, right, the main event. And I even saw some people debating, uh, is this the weakest main event on a UFC fight night card ever? Uh, which wow. I would maybe oh, no. I would maybe uh, argue against, but look, if you're not somebody that is uh, super into the sport, you probably have no idea who Armand Sarukian and and uh, Matus Gamrod are. Uh, but I would just say, uh, pay attention to that fight, and you'll learn who they are because that that should be a fun one. Uh, we'll get to those picks in a minute, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that that fight card in Austin Saturday night was incredible, uh, and we'll even hit some of the prelims because uh, this thing was so much fun. But we have to start with obviously the main event. We thought the minute that, and we even talked about this matchup being a possibility and how much fun it would be before they even made this. The minute that this one was made, we said, I mean, this could be like a fight of the year type of candidate, right? With these two guys, their fighting style and what this may deliver. Uh, we get a five rounder. It was a lot of fun. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. Uh, I certainly feel one way about the way I would have scored it versus the way it was scored. But at the end of the day, I thought you had two guys that, that, uh, Fought their asses off, gave us a terrific product, and at the end of the day, it is Josh Emmett who wins the main event over Calvin Cater. Yeah, so, I mean, do you want me to, like, say who I thought won? If, if you want to go that route, break down the fight, I mean, the floor is yours. Okay, okay. Okay, let me, I'll break down the fight. You know, the fight The fight starts, um, I thought that it would be more of Calvin Cater um, pressing the action, but I feel like at first, uh, Josh Emmett was the one who was uh, who was pressing Calvin and uh, kind of making it tough for him to, for for Calvin to find openings. Uh, I feel like Calvin was fighting uh, a little timid, um, and I feel like that kind of lasted throughout the first couple of rounds. Uh, you know, Josh has power. Um, he can you know he's probably the most powerful featherweight um, in the UFC. And, but I f I kind of feel like Calvin gave him a little too much respect. Um, I, I wanted to say, like, you know, the first round, he was just kind of feeling them out. But as it carried over into the second round, I feel like it just took him a little bit to get to really get started. I I did think he, he fought better in the second round as the fight went on and everything. But I kind of felt like Calvin was giving Josh just a little bit too much respect with his power. And he wasn't uh, opening opening up. And I think after either the second or third round, his corner is asking, like, all right, Calvin, like, what's up? Like, what do you see out there? And Calvin's like, man, he's he, he's loading up. So. You know, when I heard that, I was like, come on, Calvin, man. Like, he's been in so many wars with all these heavy hitters. And, and like I said, Josh is probably the most hard-hitting featherweight in the UFC. But I kind of feel like Calvin didn't do, uh, at least early on, he didn't do uh, what he's what he's known for, what he's best at. He kind of was fighting really timid. But with all that being said, I thought the championship rounds, 
Calvin fought really well. Uh, I gave Calvin both of the championship rounds. Uh, I gave Josh Emmett the first and the third round. I thought the second round was close, but uh, I gave that round to Calvin. So even though Calvin was fighting a little timid, um, I gave him the fight. Uh, but I wasn't uh, mad at the at the decision. But I, I kind of felt if Calvin would have pressed the action a little bit more early, he probably would have got the decision. I completely agree with uh, everything you said. I felt like Calvin Cater uh, was so worried about the power coming back at him that it kind of took him out of what makes him Calvin Cater, right? I mean, we didn't see the same guy that uh, we saw against Giga Chikadze. Um And look, there was I, I think there's something to that because, and the broadcast said it a lot, and it was easy to notice, when Josh Emmett landed, there it was significantly more impactful uh, when he landed than it was when Calvin was was landing against Josh Emmett. So you know that there was a power disparity there. But even with that said, I mean, you know, at some point in that fight, you just felt like you've got to you've got to just put it into into drive and mash your foot to the floor. And I, I scored this Josh Emmett one, Calvin Cater two, Josh Emmett three, and then I had Calvin Cater in four and five, just like you did. We I, we have the same scores. Um, I it was a very close fight, and I think you can make the case for both guys in multiple rounds uh, throughout this thing. I don't, I don't think it's a robbery by any means for this to go to Josh Emmett. Like in, in fact, when it went to the judges, I thought there was the chance that we could see three completely different scorecards, right? That's how close some of these rounds were that it wouldn't have shocked me if all three had a different score completely. And uh, you know, a split decision or, you know, maybe a unanimous, like I, I just thought it could potentially be all over the place. I had no idea what to expect, uh, but that was the way I scored it. Just like you, and I did think that Calvin Cater won the fight, but it wasn't by such a margin that you can really complain about him losing. And to that point, like because he didn't really fight his fight and I think gave Josh Emmett so much opportunity, like, you know, you, you can only say to Calvin, like you you could have controlled that more than, than you chose to control it. So uh, it's kind of one of those where even if you don't agree with the judges, like watching Calvin Cater fight on a regular basis versus watching Calvin Cater fight in this one, it was clearly a different guy, right? Now, that's not supposed to factor into the judging, but just from a spectator standpoint, you can clearly tell that Calvin was not his, his normal self in this. Yeah, uh, he, he wasn't. And like you said, he was just worried about the power coming back. But I think once he once he really put his foot on the, on the gas, like in the fourth and fifth round, yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like he started piecing Josh Emmett up. And I feel like he could have did that the entire fight. Right. But he was just so worried about the power. Um, yeah, some of these uh, some of these scorecards, like I was looking on Twitter and seeing how people had it scored. Uh, this one guy had it scored like 4-0 for for Cater, and I was like, ooh, I don't know about all, I don't know about that one. Uh, or, or not four five, like the, all five rounds for Cater. Uh, you, you see other people who, who had it, you know, three to two for Emmett, four to one for Emmett. You know, even Emmett himself thought he had it four one. Um, you know, there's no telling what how, what Calvin's camp, uh, you know, what, what they thought um, the score was. Uh, with with how they were talking to him, I think they could tell like we might be losing. We need to, um, you know, put put the pedal to the metal and everything. But yeah, I definitely felt like if Calvin uh, would have fought like he did in the in the last two rounds, you know, fighting behind his jab, uh, maintaining distance, um, being able to move in and out and everything, I feel like he definitely could have did that the entire fight. Uh, Josh Emmett was at a was at a huge height uh, disadvantage. Uh, not not so much the reach, which probably um, played a little bit of a factor, but um, I definitely feel like Calvin Cater kind of missed an opportunity to you know put his put his foot on the gas. Josh Emmett, you know, credit to him because he was there all five rounds. But 
I mean, I think those those last two rounds was, were very, very telling of what this fight could have been yeah. if Calvin would have pushed, pushed the limits uh, early on. Completely agree. I saw somebody on Saturday night uh, post how they scored it, and it was literally 3-2 for Emmett with every single round being completely opposite of the way I scored it. There's there's no way. You know, the the <laughs> there was one judge uh, that had the fourth round for uh, – for Josh Emmett. And I definitely thought, like, those were the two easiest rounds to score, four and five. And both of those rounds Agreed. went to Calvin Cater Agreed. to me. Um, I, I saw the, the scorecards on the internet. They, you know, they posted how the judges scored it. I thought that was crazy. I, if one judge just uh, just scores it right, scores it correctly, and sees that fourth round for, for Calvin Cater, we have a, different re- a whole different result. But um, at the same time, I think... Calvin fought well, but I think he can. He has to kick himself at the same time because you know this could have been avoided had he just pushed the just pushed in the, in the early rounds. All that said, Josh Emmett is your winner. What is next for Josh Emmett? Do you want to see Josh Emmett get the next shot at the 145 belt? Obviously, depending which way it goes, because another conversation that needs to be had is if Max Holloway wins a thin decision, right? I mean, is that? Is that do you move on from Volk or do you take a break from that? Or like, how do you go back to it? Like, I don't know how they're going to um, view this whole thing. If it's Max Holloway in a close decision, but all that said, and it, it, you know, if we're moving on from that matchup, regardless of which way it goes, is Josh Emmett next in your mind? I don't think so, man. I think he moved up. Uh, I think he's a contender, but as far as being like the number one guy or like the guy that's like next after uh, this Volkanovski and Holloway fight, I still think he's in this area, but he's not he's not the only guy there. I feel like Arnold Allen is in that area and I feel like Ortega and Yair Rodriguez are both in that area. So while he he won and, it, and it's great and everything, he I don't think he separated himself from that pack yet. Um, I feel like Arnold Allen is there and then the winner of uh, Yair and Ortega is going to be there as well. And then, it, and like you said, it all depends on what happens with uh, Vulcan Max. If Max wins, uh, uh, if Max wins at all, unless it's like a, a crazy first round knockout, I feel like Max is gonna have to fight Volk again because yeah. I don't think there's a way that you because like Volk is literally up two zero and he's giving Max another shot. Like if if Max wins, I think he has to give Volk another shot. Uh, whether the UFC you know does that or not, that that's gonna be remain, that remains to be seen. But if I'm if I'm Max. I'd want to give that shot to Volk because Volk, Volk doesn't have to be fighting you. You know, Volk could go on and fight some of these under, other contenders and not even mention your name because he's he's won twice. Um, but if, if Volk wins, then, you know, everything's great. You, you can move on. But at the same time, Volk's talking about moving up to, to lightweight to fight for the lightweight title. So either way, I still feel like the these contenders are still going to have to do more to get that number one contender spot. Yeah. I, uh, I have a hard time seeing Ortega get next if he beats Yair, right? I mean, we all saw the dominating win Max had over him that that put him out for a long time. Uh, And then he and Volk just fought, which that was an incredibly entertaining fight. But, I mean, that was a pretty dominant win at the same time. For as entertaining as it was, it was also extremely dominant in favor of of Volk. Um, I don't know what the UFC's desire would be to to rematch uh, Ortega. Yair probably gives you the better side of that if he wins versus Volk. But we just saw Yair and Max fight. Uh, as well. So, um, you know, in the, in either one of those scenarios, I could see maybe Josh Emmett getting the opportunity before Ortega and Yair. And then, you know, I think for anybody that's currently below Josh Emmett, it would just take, you know, maybe some sort of like highlight win, right? Like, I, I think there are other names in play, but I don't think at this point, Arnold Allen, for example, 
I think Arnold Allen could easily be next, but he's not next right now. I think there's a little bit of work to be done. One big win, you know, first round finish win over whoever he's going to fight may do it. But uh, at this point in time, I wouldn't put Arnold Allen ahead of Josh Emmett, for example. No, no, no. I, I'm with you. Like, I don't think that Arnold Allen and, and Yair and Ortega are ahead of, of, of Emmett. I just think they're in this this little bubble, like, together. They're in this, yeah. like, train. They're in this car together. I don't think anyone's really separated themselves still yet. Uh, and I think that's why we might see, like, a Josh Emmett, Arnold Allen fight or something like that. Or we might see, like... And I'm with you on Ortega and Yair, but I think that both guys are such fan favorites that it's not going to take much for them to like skip the line with a with a big win. Like say Yair knocks out uh, Ortega in devastating fashion with a with a highlight kick or something like that. I definitely feel like they would want to uh, give him that shot. You know, Ortega it might take something really spectacular. Uh, of course, he's going to have to like finish him with a with a guillotine or something early. But I feel like he's such a fan favorite that he's always in play. Kind of, kind of like the Darren Till. Like, even though he's yeah. lost, you know, three out of five or whatever, if he wins one, like he's in play for a title shot. That's kind of how I feel uh, the UFC thinks of uh, Brian Ortega. What's next for Calvin Cater? Because I mean, I, I think with a win here, he's probably the guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he probably gets the next title opportunity with a win. It's set up for that to be the case, uh, and it now goes the other way. And you know, he he obviously. Uh, I think in their grand scheme, like Calvin Cater wins that fight and he just waits for, you know, whether that ends up being Max or Volk or who, you know, he just seemed like the natural guy to be next for a title shot. Uh, Without Calvin Cater being that guy now, uh, does he get like a, I mean, Arnold Allen? Could you go the Arnold Allen route for Calvin Cater? You could. um, I'm not sure how much Arnold Arnold Allen would want to take that fight. Uh, because Calvin just lost, but you know he might just because he's ranked ahead of him. Uh, our, Allen has called out um, the Korean Zombie. I feel like a lot of people have been calling out the Korean Zombie. Yeah. Uh, I'm not completely sure, you know, who's gonna you know get that opportunity to fight the Korean Zombie. But I've, I definitely feel like everyone's looking at that fight as like, ooh, I need that fight. If I beat him, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be next. Um, you know, uh, now that he's lost, I kind of wouldn't be surprised if they do Calvin Cater and Bryce Mitchell. Is, I thought Bryce was booked for somebody. Or am I wrong? I don't. I don't believe he's been booked. Uh, if he's been booked, this it's been recent. But uh, he's called out the Korean Zombie as well. But I think now, yeah, like now that Calvin has lost, uh, yeah, I feel like he's in play for a Bryce Mitchell matchup. Uh, yeah, another like main event. Bryce Mitchell fight. is free, so that that is in play. Um, I you know Evloev called out Arnold Allen, which I love that matchup. I love Calvin Cater and Arnold Allen as well. Um, but I wouldn't hate the Bryce Mitchell matchup either. Um, you know I think he's obviously Yair and Ortega are going against each other, and then you've got Max and and Volk at the top. You just fought Josh Emmett, so that takes care of literally everybody that's ranked ahead of you. So you're you're ha- I mean if you're Calvin Cater, you just lost. You're gonna have to go with somebody that's below you. Um, which exactly Korean zombies there, uh, but. Again, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that a Korean zombie win immediately puts you back. I mean, for me at least, um, at this stage, doesn't doesn't uh, put you back at, as the number one contender. Um, but Arnold Allen or Bryce Mitchell or maybe Evloev potentially does. Yeah. See, everybody that's calling out the Korean zombie, they're just looking to take his spot in the rankings. Like he's right. literally ranked number six in the rankings, and then you got guys below him who 
I would probably, I most likely would favor in a matchup with Korean Zombie. Like, I would favor Arnold Allen. I would favor Bryce Mitchell. I would favor Evloev over Korean Zombie at this point. Um, so, yeah, all these guys are calling out, calling out the Korean Zombie because they know, like, that's a favorable matchup and he's a, he's got a, a high ranked number next to his name. <clears throat> so, you know, only one guy can fight him at this point. I mean, I, I know they're all lining up to fight him. I don't know how, I don't know how much he wants to fight, what's his desire to fight after that title fight. So, uh, you, these guys can't just be resting on their spot, though, um, because, you know, Alexander Volkanovski and Max Holloway are about to fight, Ortega and Yair are about to fight. Like, this division is about to start moving. So uh, the Bryce Mitchells and Arnold Allen, you know, they're, they're going to have to, um, you know, figure out what's what's next uh, before, you know, because this division is about to start rolling yeah. for sure. It's it's become a very fun division. And, uh, you know, in terms of Volk and Max, uh, we will have that trilogy very, very soon. And maybe movement in the division or maybe we're talking about the fourth fight in the max volk uh rivalry that is uh i I guess now for the goat of the 145 division so um yeah that's coming up very soon anyway it was a fun fight regardless uh i absolutely enjoyed all five rounds of josh emmett and calvin cater um and you know in terms of just delivering the fireworks that i was anticipating uh i was i was uh, absolutely impressed so the co-main event was donald cowboy cerrone and joe lozon that fight did not take place again. Dana White says he's not going to try to rebook that one, so that one is out the window, and we will not be talking about Cerrone Lozon one more time on this podcast. Taking its place, Will, was uh, was uh, Tim Means and Kevin Holland, which uh, Kevin Holland looked really, really impressive. Yeah, man, I think he's found he's found a home at 170, man. Uh, he He's just fighting guys that was just too big. You know, he's weighing, weighing in at like 183, and then on fight day, he's probably like 187 or something like that. You know, these he's fighting middleweights who on fight day who are, who are like 210, 215. Derek Brunson, Marvin Vittori, those are big guys. So now he's fighting guys more his size and uh, even guys that he's got a, an advantage against. I thought this Tim Means matchup was was good because Tim Means is is just as tall as him. Uh, Kevin Holland's got crazy reach. He's He's got long legs, long arms and everything. So that definitely plays a factor in all his fights. Um, but I was really impressed by... You know how easy it was for him to get up. You know Tim Means is a is a savvy veteran uh, in this game, um, very well rounded. But Kevin Holland kind of was able to have his way with him. Um, uh, and, and Tim Means is very dangerous, but Kevin Holland kind of just really had his way. So I was very very impressed by what I saw with Kevin Holland. Um, I was I was thinking about what would be next for him uh, after the fight, but then he actually called out Sean Brady, and I. That's a that's a fun matchup for me. That's a guy who's who's in the rankings. I was thinking like, is he ready for a ranked guy? But you know, as soon as he mentioned Sean Brady, I was like, hey, I would love to see that fight. I think Sean Brady recently called out Hamzat, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I doubt that Sean Brady's going to get Hamzat. Uh, that said, I, I don't know if Sean Brady wants to take that, given where he's currently ranked, and that Kevin Holland uh, is not currently in the top 15 of the welterweight division. But I mean, it's it's tailor made for him, right? Given Kevin Holland's weakness. Uh, for him to go do exactly what happened to Kevin Holland in that losing streak at 185, and for Kevin Holland, that would be a, I mean, a massive opportunity to prove that you've you're better in the ground game or takedown defense or you know any of that stuff that really curbed all of the momentum he had built up over 2020. I love that matchup. Sign me up. I'm 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 in 100 on that. Yeah, so I'm definitely in on that. If if Sean Brady will take it, like you said, you know he's ranked number nine at the at the moment, so I'm sure he wants to fight somebody ranked or you know somebody ranked ahead of him. But I'm gonna give you another matchup, which I really feel like would uh, would be great for Kevin Holland uh, to prove himself. Now, uh, how about uh, Kevin Holland versus Michael Chiesa? 
Okay. I like that as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think that Kiesa is a guy like that doesn't really have a direction at the moment, but he's got a number next to his name. Right. And I feel like he would welcome the opportunity to fight a guy like Kevin Holland, who's got a big following, uh, big fan favorite, all that type stuff. So uh, I don't know if like they're cool or whatever, but I definitely feel like that's a fight that uh, I can see the UFC making. Kevin or uh, Michael Kiesa is, is a big uh, welterweight. Uh, he used to be a lightweight somehow. I don't know how, but uh, big, big welterweight. Uh, and he's and he wrestles. So uh, if we're still giving Kevin Holland style stylistic uh, disadvantages right. and stuff in these matchups, Michael Kies is the guy that you put him up against, and he's got the number next to his name. So I feel like that would be a great one. Yeah, if you wanted to save the you know the wrestler uh, matchup, um, I also love Michelle Pajeda potentially for Kevin Holland. And then with a win, maybe you could go get either a Sean Brady or Michael Kiesa, who are currently a little higher in the rankings. But that would be stylistically just a really fun matchup. Uh, in terms of, you know, fireworks. And, you know, if he comes out on the right side of that, then you give it, you go back to maybe the, the wrestler type of matchup and see if uh, he's able to fight those guys off a little better at 170 than he did at 185. But, I mean, Kevin Holland's game, right? He's going to fight whoever they, they throw in front of him. And that's why you yeah. he, he literally called out the guy that might be the toughest, t I mean, outside of like Hamzat, probably, the guy that might be the toughest test in the division for him, given his weaknesses, right? Absolutely. And I think he... He understands like what his weaknesses are, and he knows like that's why he had to move down. Uh, so he he's he's approaching this like I'm just gonna attack this head on. Uh, Y'all think wrestling is my uh, is my weakness? I've been working on it. You can tell he's been working on it. Uh, he's been able to. It, it's not like um, he's fighting out of his guard and just like uh, trying to survive. Like he's actually like moving to the fence, getting up, you know that type of thing. So. I, I like where Kevin Holland is right now. I mean, I think he's going to be a problem at 170. I think there's a lot of fun matchups for him uh, at 170 in these rankings. Uh, just who's going to say yes to him first? Yeah. Or uh, Ponzinibbio, another guy that you know isn't oh, ranked but would be a really fun hey, fight. That that actually might be a fight that that could be next. Uh, Ponzinibbio. I would not be surprised if that's the fight that's next because. Uh, Ponzinibbio is just right outside that yeah. top 15. Like He's probably number 16, literally. So I, I feel like that could be next for sure. Yeah. Okay, so the only fight I didn't get to see, I had to step away for a short time, and I've not been able to go back and rewatch it yet. I will at some point this week. But I missed, in its entirety, I guess for as long as it lasted, uh, Joaquin Buckley and Albert Arayev. Um, oh. Dr. Stoppage, right? I, I've seen conflicting comments about whether that should have been a stoppage or not so will I, I don't know you tell me what happened in the fight what did you see and just your your perspective on on uh big win for joaquin buckley oh my goodness uh this was probably joaquin's best performance inside the octagon i mean he looked like he was completely locked in um he wasn't trying to do any flashy knockouts or anything uh he just really took took it to albert uh uh, Duraev. And this is a fight where we both picked Duraev. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked uh, what I saw in, in his debut, and I thought that Joaquin would be uh, trying to be flashy and all that stuff. And with his inconsistency and everything, I thought this would be a fight that Duraev would, uh, would would edge out. But man, Joaquin Buckley, he, he's took a step. He's taken a step. Uh, he has gotten so much better. His IQ, um, he's just gotten so much better. I was blown away by his performance. Um, Duraev, like it, it got to a point where this is how I, this is where I knew that Buckley won this fight. Like they were standing toe to toe, and like Duraev was kind of smiling at him at first because Buckley was hitting him with some good shots. But Buckley hit him with with one good shot, and then Duraev started to wrestle, and I was like, oh, 
thrived. He doesn't like this anymore. Like he's he's trying he's trying to wrestle him. Like this this isn't fun for him anymore. But uh, Buckley seemed like he knew like he was going to have the the upper hand in the striking department. And whenever Drive tried to take down, uh, he he was able to stuff it easily. Uh, but he was he was really doing a number on Dariah's eye, and it got to a point where uh, his eye just looked completely shut. Um, and then after the second round. You know, the doctor t- took a look at his eye, asked him if he could see out of it. You know, and, it, you know, he, they did the little the flashlight, looked at his eye yeah. and it wasn't even it was completely close. So there was nothing that they could do. So it was a good stoppage. You know, if he can't see out of that eye. He was just going to get picked apart yeah. even more. You know, he's uh, Joaquin Buckley. He had that knockout over Impka Kasonganai. Uh, was it 2020 or 2021? That was I mean, one of the, the best knockouts. Uh, of the year and and you know one of my favorite knockouts I think ever it was incredible that spinning kick as uh, I think Impa like caught him caught his leg and then he spun with the other one and uh, incredible knockout and and you know that there's the highlights within him but like we, we've had this conversation with Alonzo Menafield like a week ago they're knockout artists they have the big highlight KO within them but we've not seen them consistently show a well-rounded game yeah uh, they, they've taken a step in their MMA game and I feel like with all of them, they've taken a step with like how much they want it, like how um, their IQs, like uh, like with with Minifield, it just seemed like he found like a purpose. Like they, all of these guys, uh, it seems like they found a purpose and as to why that they're doing this. And like uh, like losing isn't an option. Like these yeah. guys are really going out there. Like you know, they could they could go out there and chase the knockout, but they're fighting so strategically now, and that's gonna uh, add add to these performances. That's why. Uh, you see such great performance, like Khalil Roundtree knocked that guy out. Like I hadn't seen seen him look that look that good in, in so long. Yeah. Um, there was Minifield a fire, looked, right? There was a fire there within him, yeah. as opposed to just the big exactly. shot. Like he was, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, and that, that and that goes for all of them. There, like there was just a fire with with Alonzo Minifield. Like we picked against him in that yeah. fight, but there was just like some type of fire that we hadn't seen. And then the same thing with with Joaquin Buckley, but I will say that that Buckley's kind of looked this way for a little bit. I just thought that Duryev had just a little bit more talent in the tank, but I mean Buckley is showing that he's he's really taking a step, man. I was really impressed impressed by what uh, Buckley did. Yeah, uh, Buckley had lost to Kevin Holland uh, on I think that was maybe a Fight Island card, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then he got that that he followed that up with that incredible KO that was you know a, a knockout of the year candidate. Uh, then he had another finish against Jordan Wright, lost to DeKirico, which was like one of those, like, what? <laughs> Head-scratching type of losses, but uh, now three straight wins over Arroyo, Alhassan, and Duraev. So I'd love to see the, him keep the momentum and a guy that, again, certainly is capable of the big highlight finish, but uh, you love to see the overall progression in his uh, MMA skills. All right, next fight on this card was Demir Ismagulov and Guram Kutalataladze. <laughs> I, I still don't think I got it right. Something like that, though. Um, well, this is—we were on the opposite side of this one. And granted, I was totally okay with just going opposite you because I felt like this was just going to be a great fight. Uh, I wasn't necessarily set on either one of these guys, and I felt like it was going to be so close that uh, it was worth the coin flip to me. Uh, that said, I feel like Herb Dean took a win away from Guram in this one. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Herb definitely. T- <laughs> uh, Garam was was on a roll, and then uh, I think it was like a he th- Herb thought it was an illegal knee or a yeah. illegal kick or something. I thought it was like an that. illegal and, knee to the uh, head, and the knee was uh, pretty clearly the in the chest. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was very clearly to the chest. Uh, but I guess like in by uh, what Herb saw through his angle, he thought that it uh, hit the face, and he was pretty. He was pretty confident that it hit him in the face because he said, if this happens again, yeah. I'm taking a point. Like, leave those techniques alone. Like, he was very, uh, very definitive in what he was saying and everything. But I, I, I'm with you. Garam was really starting to go off. Uh, but, yeah, I think Herb kind of stopped that. And, but even with that, um, I kind of thought that Garam might have uh, edged this decision out. Uh, I felt like uh, Demir was fighting with one eye i felt like yeah. he, you know something was up something was up with his eye he kept closing it and like open it opening it wide and everything so something was definitely uh wrong with him but i mean he was definitely t- uh pressuring him still it was a dog fight um but uh you know i'm not gonna say it was a robbery or anything but you know herb dean definitely stepping in definitely probably swayed um the, the judges from you know giving Grom that round because i definitely feel like he was on his way yeah. to winning that round I think that, first of all, this was a great fight. It was a lot of fun. It was back and forth. It had great pace. The output from both of these guys was just unbelievable. Both guys took a bunch of big shots. Um, it was it was everything I thought it was going to be. I mean, we kind of said last week, like, this could be a fight of the night candidate. Um, and it delivered. And ultimately, like, I don't think it was a robbery to your point because I think these rounds were all really close. That said, I mean, what did this happen with, what, like 10 or 15 seconds remaining in the fight? That was Yeah, a, I think it was like... Yeah, that was a devastating shot to the chest in which he's going to finish the round on top of a hurt fighter, which I mean, in a razor thin round virtually guarantees you getting the 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 win. And yeah, I mean, he lost by split decision. If he finishes that round, having hurt that guy on top, nobody on this planet can convince me that those judges are still going to score that round for Demir. Uh, I know we've seen crazy scores, but uh, I just I don't believe that anybody's scoring that for Demir if if. That knee to the chest stands, and Garam finishes the final 10 seconds on top of a, a hurt fighter. So uh, it was a fun fight. Again, I like both of these guys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with both in terms of their next opportunities. But uh, you get the point there, courtesy of Herb Dean. You know, um, I just want to say that, uh, before we move on, like these two guys, with how good they are, these guys weren't even ranked. Right. Like, like we talk all the time about the bantamweight division, and I know we're about to get into the bantamweight division here in a second. But these two guys, with how good they are, how good their records are, they weren't even ranked, man. Like, it, it's crazy the depth of, of the lightweight division. And normally we see with the bantamweights, but it's good to see uh, the lightweights, you know, show that they're show their depth when it comes to the, their division. Hundred percent. I I think uh, either one of these guys deserves an opportunity at maybe one of those uh, guys that's currently in the in the bottom five of that one fifty five division. That's just full of sharks right it's just that's a shark infested waters at 155 there's no easy fight in that division anywhere right like the whole thing is just yeah uh, nowhere incredible you <laughs> incredible all right uh middleweights gregory rodriguez and julian marquez we were on the opposite side of this one as well what a dominant performance for robocop i mean this was really impressive the power on display and i thought julian marquez well-rounded game might present some problems but uh no this was uh all Gregory Rodriguez, dominant win. Yeah, but hey, props to Julian Marquez because I mean, for how hurt he was, he was firing back, yeah. man. Uh, but you know, Gregory, he's he's a very talented striker. You know, I, I just uh, I thought that Julian Marquez's injuries as of late kind of halted his momentum. You know, I feel like if this fight uh, if this fight would have happened when Marquez was on his was on his streak and you know he wasn't having to pull out of these last couple fights, I probably would have been on the Marquez side of this, but. Um, Rodriguez has been in there. He's he's fought well. He, he had just got a knockout, so I was uh, 
I'm not going to say confident, but, you know, I like the chances of uh, Gregory landing something big. Uh, but, you know, props to Marquez, man. Uh, he definitely took a lot of shots, took a lot of damage, and he hung in there as long as he could until Gregory put him down. So uh, it was he still made it a fun fight, even though it was a dominant performance from Gregory Rodriguez. So Adrian Giannis, Tony Kelly got promoted from the feature prelim to the first cut fight on the main card with uh, the Cerrone-Lozon fight uh, being removed. And Adrian Giannis once again delivers. I mean, this is death taxes and bantamweights, right? Adrian Giannis, give him a ranked fighter next. I'm... I'm in. We've been on the Adrian Yanez train for a while, but it's it's time that he gets somebody with a number next to their name. Look, hey, man, Adrian Yanez is good. Like, you know, I know, like, there's a lot of bantamweights that's out there, and uh, this bantamweight division is so loaded that you could say this about a lot of guys, but I feel like Adrian Yanez might have something here. I'm not going to say, like, he's going to be a future champion or anything, but I've seen enough to where I, I truly believe, like, Adrian Yanez can really hang with a lot of these guys at the top of the division. I know, like, he's kind of fought some guys who have, who have been um, stylistically pleasing, like the Tony Kelly was, was stylistically pleasing for him and, and everything. But I truly feel like uh, a lot of these guys uh, getting into a, a boxing style of fight with Yanez is, is not going to go well for them. Uh, and then, you know, he's shown that, you know, if you try to take him down, he's, not, he's no slouch on the ground and he's able to get up and everything. We saw that with, uh, with uh, Davy Grant. So, um, yeah, I think Giannis is, is a player, man. Yeah, give him someone in the top 15. Like, this guy is, is solid. Yeah. Like, I, I, every time I see Giannis, I feel like he's getting better. Uh, and he always just, you know, blows my mind every time I see him. And, and this one was no different. Fighting in front of your hometown uh, against t- uh, Tony Kelly, who's coming off a big win against, um, man, I just had the guy's name. And it just it just left. But, oh, Randy Randy Costa. He's coming off yeah, a big yeah, win against Randy Costa. Yeah, they both be Randy Costa, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I mean, and I was really impressed. I thought this, I thought this would be a, a, a very tough matchup for Giannis, but he kind of just, you know, had his way with Tony Kelly. So uh, Giannis is a player, man. He is now uh, number 15 in the bantamweight division. I don't know if this guy has a fight booked as, as, as of now. I'm looking it up at this moment, but I would love the Adrian Giannis-Jack Shore matchup. And as I pull up Jack Shore, looks like he's got Ricky Simone. So never mind. Jack Shore's got oh Ricky gosh, Simone coming up. That's a hell of a fight, <laughs> Ricky Simone yeah. and Jack Shore. Um, I feel like if Marlon Marais was still around, like this would be a perfect fight for Giannis to take. Um, but now, like the the bantamweight division, it kind of went from like what's going on to like now everybody's literally booked. Like you got Aljo and TJ, you got Aldo and Marab, you got Sanhagen and Song Yadong, you got. Uh, Dominic Cruz and Chito Vera. You got Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz. Jack Shore, Ricky Simone. Like, literally everybody in the top 15 has got something going. And now Adrian Yanez just enters the top 15. So now like, now it's, it's kind of iffy on, like, what's what's next for the guy. But I guess you got to go Adrian uh, Yanez, uh, Rob Font. They're the only two ranked fighters that don't have opponents now. That's true. Hey, and if, I, if I'm Yanez, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind call, making that call out because, you know, Rob Font, you know, he, sure, he just fought Chio Vera, but he's a guy that's not doing anything. Uh, if I'm Yanez, shoot your shot. You know, Rob Font isn't, isn't close to the title right now. He's got no direction. If I'm Yanez, I'm, I'm shooting my shot. Yeah, and if you're Font, you've lost two in a row now. You need a win, but, I mean, he's ranked number seven. He's not getting an unranked fighter. Right. I mean, it's nothing but killers anyway. I mean, this is probably about as good an opportunity for Font to get back on track as there is. 
And could you imagine that stylistic oh, matchup? Like, there's going to be no so shooting for takedowns or nothing. These guys are just going to be standing there and trading. Like, that would that, that would yeah. be a super fun matchup. I hope that gets made. And if that gets made, because I know for a fact no one has talked about this uh, about this fight. You heard it here first. That's right. Rafan and Adrian Yanez is the fight to make. I'm in. I'm in. All right, so... I mean, we could probably break down or at least spend some time on every fight on this card uh, because the, that's how good the prelims were. I thought Natalia Silva was incredibly impressive in her win. Jeremiah Wells, I mean, circle that name. Another impressive finish over Court McGee. Ricardo Hamos with the highlight elbow uh, to finish Danny Chavez. Um, Cody Stamen uh, over Eddie Wineland. I mean, that just that escalated so quickly, and Eddie Wineland has uh, called it a career following that loss. Phil Hawes' complete domination of Darren Wynn, uh, and then even the exchange with uh, DC in the middle of the octagon after that fight. And then, Will, I mean, this thing got started, not that Roman Delizze winning is necessarily a shock, but Roman Delizze winning and finishing the way that he did, like that quick into the fight, I was just like, what in the hell is happening? We should have known then that we were in store for an incredible fight card, but I mean, from start to finish, these prelims were sensational. Yeah, I, I, find, I found it really crazy that Kyle Dawkins uh, he got headbutted, and <laughs> his last fight with Kevin Holland, it kind of ended with a headbutt. So then, like another headbutt takes place, and but this time he was on the wrong side of it, and then Delice ends up finishing him. Uh, Phil Hawes and Deron Wynn, like I've never really like been sold on Deron Wynn being successful in the UFC because the guy is five six, fighting at one eighty five. Like that's just insane. You have you're at such a size discrepancy. I don't think I've ever thought that Deron Wynn was going to win any fight that he's that he's had in the UFC <laughs> because just five six fighting at middleweight it's just insane seeing him up against Phil Haas and seeing like he's he's got short arms like seeing him trying to get to Phil Haas uh it was it was just kind of sad to see but I mean he showed just extreme amounts of toughness and everything but man at five six you're, you're at such a disadvantage but you know Phil Haas he's got so much potential I, you know, this fight was was made a few months ago. I felt the same way about the fight then that I did now. I felt like Phil Hoff was going to get a finish. Yeah. Uh, Cody Stamen over Eddie Wineland. This was good for Cody Stamen because you know he he got finished in his last fight. Uh, he needed to get a win to get back on track just for his own you know psyche and everything. He's a very confident guy. Um, and in other in other worlds, like this is one of the best bantamweights on the planet. But like he's in the UFC where the where the bantamweights are just filled with killers. Uh, Maria Oliveira over Gloria DePaula. Maria Oliveira is supposed to be like the the girl version of Anderson Silva. Uh, you know, she, I saw a little uh, some flashes of it, but uh, she fought very well, got the, the the decision win. Ricardo Hamas with the spinning back elbow, perfectly placed. Uh, there's only been five of those in in the UFC's history, and he's got two of them. Uh, Jeremiah Wells over Court McGee. I mean, that was that was just vicious. Like all these finishes were were, were just completely vicious. Totally devastating, and then I was really, really impressed with Natalia Silva. Like when when the commentators were talking about her, they were talking about all the things that she had to work on and stuff. This was my first time watching her fight, but I was like, the girl looks pretty good to me. Like I, I'm a fan of her. I think she's she's got something. Um, sure. I'm excited to see what's next for her. But the prelims were were amazing. The whole fight night was amazing. It's going to be completely tough for the UFC. Uh, for these guys on this card to live up to what happened in Austin. Uh, it's yeah. it's going to be extremely tough. 
Which takes us to fight night on Saturday night. I believe we're back at the Apex, uh, so unfortunately not going to have the same sort of atmosphere that we had for the Austin fight card, but uh, UFC fight night, Sarukian Gamrot, your main event in the lightweight division. Will, you had a two-point lead going into last Saturday. We were on the opposite sides of two fights that gave you an additional two points, so a four-point lead for you going into this card that starts off, as far as the main card, and we can talk about some of the prelims at the end of this, but... The main card starts off with a banger. In the middleweight division, we have Chris Curtis and Rodolfo Vieira. Oddshark.com has Chris Curtis at minus 145, plus 115 for Vieira. You know, I'm very curious to see how Chris Curtis fights um, as the as the favorite. Like, he kind of... He kind of crept up on us a little bit. Like, we didn't expect him to knock out Phil Hawes. We didn't expect him to knock out Brendan Allen. Um, he kind of, like, we knew that he was talented coming from the PFL, but we kind of expected, you know, like, maybe the UFC was too big of a step for him. You know, he's normally a, a guy that fights at 170. But, you know, now now that people are are excited about him and everything, I'm curious to see, like, how he fights. Um, Adolfo Fierro, though, uh, very, very skilled on the ground. So, you know, this isn't a very stylistically pleasing fight for Chris Curtis. Um, you know, Phil Haas and Brendan Allen both were, were guys that were going to stand in front of him and try to, you know, out-technique him, but he ended up knocking them out. I don't know uh, how much Vieira is going to be willing to stand with Chris Curtis, but with that said, uh, the fight always starts standing. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought about it. I almost was going to take Vieira, but uh, I like Chris Curtis, so I'm going to roll with Chris Curtis. Give me Chris Curtis as well. I'm in on the Chris Curtis train, and uh, it'll be curious to see, like, the takedown defense and if he's able to prevent, you know, Vera from from uh, getting this to the mat. But, uh, you know, as long as it's standing, um, you know, Chris Curtis seems pretty lethal from that regard, and uh, I'll put my money on, on him landing something big to, to give him the, the win here. All right, so that is the first of six fights on this main card in the middleweight division. Fight number two takes us back to the bantamweight division. And, uh, you know, part of me said this isn't Saeed Nurmagomedov, uh, but it is Umar Nurmagomedov against Nate Maness in the bantamweight division. Oddshark.com has Umar Nurmagomedov at minus 1,000. Well, plus 600 <laughs> for Nate Maness. Um, yeah, I think we all know what the pick's going to be, you know, the... Khabib has got, you know, his guys in a uh, in a pretty good spot. Uh, I think this is going to be a showcase fight for for Umar, and uh, he's going to have his way with uh, Nate Maness. So give me Nurmagomedov. Yeah, uh, two for two. Nurmagomedov for me as well. All right, lightweights, Tiago Moises and Christos Giagos, Gallegos, whatever the pronunciation is there. Uh, Tiago Moises is the favorite at minus 230, plus 184 Gallegos. Yeah, man, I'm I'm really high on Thiago Moises. Um, I think that you know he's just had a few fights. Like uh, he fought Islam, and you know everyone loses to Islam. He fought Joel Alvarez, who uh, stylistically is a very tough matchup for him with him being so big. So, um, but before that, he was on a really good trajectory. I, I liked what I saw when he fought uh, Bobby Green. So uh, my picks gonna go with Moises. I, I I think he's better everywhere than uh, than Yagos. Yagos is tough. He's a veteran. But I like uh, Moises here. The Joel Alvarez fight was just, it was so dominant that, uh, you know, it, it kind of just, I, I didn't know whether to, like, reevaluate my thoughts on Moises. And I think instead, I just thought Joel Alvarez looks like a killing machine. 
uh, and maybe Absolutely. maybe I gave Joel Alvarez too much credit uh, on the other side. Um, Tiago Moises, here's his last four losses. Alvarez, Islam Mahashev, Demir Ismagulov, who we just saw against uh, um, Gumar, and then uh, Benil Dariush. So, I mean, it's not like when he has lost, he's lost, uh, you know, some some rando. Uh, at the same time, he's got wins over Alex Hernandez, Bobby Green, and Michael Johnson. So, um, I, this is Tiago Moises for me. I think a guy that just still has so much talent, and when it all comes together, is just the more talented fighter in this matchup. All right, fight number, what are we on? Four. To the heavyweight division, we have Josh Parisian and Alan Badeau. Oddshark.com has... Parisian at minus 120, minus 110 for Badeau. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, these are two heavyweights that I'm not really impressed with. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, I know that the UFC loves heavyweights, and they feel like heavyweights should always be on the main card because heavyweights are always fun and everything. But these are two guys who um, I, could, I, could, I could do without. Uh, I'll be I'll be real, but um, as far as my pick, man, uh, I mean, geez, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying, like, I, goodness, hey, look. I'll go. I'll go opposite of whatever you got. So just give me the the opposite. You have the first pick here, with your four points. Oh my gosh! You just said you you actually said <laughs> I literally gave you the. <laughs> okay, You'll okay. See why I tried to get minute. out of that. You'll see why in a minute. <laughs> I tried. Okay, okay. Yeah. Since I have to make a pick, <laughs> shit. Um, I guess. <laughs> Since I have to make a pick, I guess I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with, uh, shoot. Hold, hold on, I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a pick. Okay. I promise. Uh, uh, Parisian minus one twenty, Badeau minus one ten. Just just to throw the odds back out there. Give me a. Damn. Give me fucking. <laughs> but, uh, Give me Badeau, I guess. Okay. Uh, shit, I don't know. Alon Badeau <laughs> is the pick from Will Brewer, which means my pick is going to be Alon Badeau because normally this is the situation that I will go opposite of you, but there is no way that I am going to risk losing a point on this fight. So um, that's why now you see the game plan, why I, yeah, I said yeah, you have to lead, so you have to pick I like, first. I like, I like that. Every other time it's something like this, I'm going opposite. But no, <laughs> right. I'm not losing a point on this fight simply by, yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't want to gain or lose a point on this fight. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So if you had <laughs> any, gone Parisian, other, I was going to take Parisian if, as well. If, if, if any other time that I do this, if this happens any other time, ladies and gentlemen, Kobe Daniels is jumping on the opportunity. Oh, yeah. But, but the fact that he did not take the bait tells you everything that you need to know about this fight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, our co-main event is a really good one. In the welterweight division, it is Neil Magny and Shavkat Rachmanov. Oddshark.com has Rachmanov at minus 400, Will, plus 300 for Neil Magny. Man, um, I understand why... Um, 
I understand what the you know the the hype with um, with Rachmanov. Uh, I'm kind I'm kind of there with it, man. He's he seems like he's very dominant, and you know Neil Neil Magny uh, when he's been pushed, um, I I felt like he had his way with Jeff Neal, but when it came to like Kiesa and like even the Max Griffin fight, I feel like once you pressure Neil Magny and once you um, get in his face and everything, I feel like he struggles with that, and I feel like Shavkat is gonna give him um, is gonna give him problems. Um, you know, even even back to you know like Lee Jang Liang and uh, Anthony Martin. You know, I, I just I haven't really felt like Neil Magny's looked good, even though he's he's been winning these fights because he's just you know he's as solid as they come, and you know he's got you know the gas tank and he's got the wrestling and everything. But with Rachmanov, I just don't see many advantages outside of his experience. Uh, but I feel like Rachmanov, uh, I think he's just got something here. So, um, and it, you know, it's it's tough for me to do this because I'm normally a guy who likes to pick the guy with the experience, and this is a guy who's got like the most wins in welterweight history with yeah. GSP, tied with GSP. But I, I think there's just something with Rachmanov. So I'm, my pick is with uh, Shavkat. I'm going Rachmanov as well. I, I don't I don't necessarily think the. I mean I. I like, I'm not torn on the outcome of this fight, but the odds suggest that this is just going to be a dominating win. And I think where I look oh. at this fight in terms of being a fun fight is you have one guy that has all the potential in the world, right? There are some people that think Rachmanov is a bigger prospect in the welterweight division than Hamzat. So take that for what it's worth. But this is a guy that certainly we know has a very high ceiling. But the reality is he's not faced anyone even close to the level of Neil Magny, regardless of how good Magny has looked recently, he's not faced anybody that's even close to uh, being as well-rounded as Neil Magny. You know, Neil Magny, I don't think, is necessarily great anywhere, Will, but he's just good everywhere, right? He's good across the board. He's a gritty fighter that's never going to go away easy. And, you know, wherever you decide to take the fight, like, he has at least something for you. So the fact that it's, you know, the level of experience that he has... The, his well-rounded game, um, you know, his his ability to want to take on any um, anybody on the opposite side of that octagon. I, I love this test for a prospect like Rachmanov. And this is, I mean, this is kind of like Tim Means to Kevin Holland, right? Like, this is just going to be a gritty fighter that's going to try and, and make you work for this win. I think Rachmanov gets the win, but I think he'll be a better fighter from having to go through Neil Magny than probably a lot of other welterweights that are currently in the top 15 that he could go through. So... It is Rachmanov for me, but uh, I like that Neil Magny is the test to kind of have that prove-it fight, right? Yeah, you know, uh, there's nobody better to have that prove-it fight against than, than Neil Magny. He's, he's solid everywhere. He's got the experience. Um, he's ranked. He's a, he's a top-ten-ranked guy. If, if you're that guy, um, this is a fight that you definitely take and you definitely want to uh, look impressive. And what I like about Shavkat is, you know, even though he hasn't fought anyone um, that's on the level of Neil Magny. The guys that he's been fighting, he's been dominating. Like when when Usman was on his way up, um, he, he hadn't fought anyone close to Tyron Woodley or Damian Maya at the time. But the guys who he was fighting up to that point, he was completely dominating. And I feel like the same can be said for Shavkat. So this is a yeah. uh, a proper step up with how much he's been dominating the the unranked guys. Um, fighting a guy like Neil Magny who wanted to fight Hamzat so bad. They say they said no, 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 but we'll give you Shavkat. I mean that this the the Shavkat fight was made so easily, but Hamza <laughs> wasn't made. So um, I guess this is our consolation prize. So uh, I'm very excited to see it though. Uh, 
this this is the this is gonna let us know if Shavkat yep. really uh, has something in this division. By the way, an impressive Shavkat win in this fight will fast track him, I think, to a big time opponent next. Uh, absolutely, um, and you could give him. You could be like, I know that Wonder Boy probably wouldn't want to take a fight like Shavkat, but you could give him Wonder Boy. You could give him uh, a guy like Luke. Luke was who I, I thought. mean, if, yeah. Even if if Shavkat wins, you could even pair him with Sean Brady, even though they're both young guys. That could be a, a, a fight that you make. But, yeah, if Shavkat wins, like, you don't have to waste your time with him fighting these guys coming up like the Jeff Neals or anything. You can vault him up right. to the top seven of the division. Well, he clearly has a higher ceiling than a guy like Jeff Neal. And, I mean, beating a, a Neal Magny uh, would just kind of, you know, be the rubber stamp down on, on, you know, what is possible for him. And, yeah, I think he'll have a big, big-time opponent uh, next with a, an impressive one here. All right, our main event is in the lightweight division. It is two top 15 fighters uh, that, I mean, you know, like we just talked about with Demir Ismagulov and Gumar Kutateladze. Uh, I think I might have nailed it that time. Uh, yeah, I think not. you know Maybe that I completely missed it, but uh, I mean, these guys, this is like, like a similar fight to that one. Like uh, two, two guys that may be somewhat unknown uh, in this country from people that don't watch the sport regularly, but two guys that have incredible upside in the lightweight division. Armand Sarukian is the favorite at minus 280, plus 210 for Matus Gamrot. Um, this is a this is a very fun matchup uh, with two guys in the lightweight division. I mean, like you said, they may not be known, but these are two, two very talented fighters. Um, this, this division is so loaded. I'm glad that they're getting the main event spot so, like, they can get more uh, notoriety. Um, I know, like, uh, you said earlier, like, um, people are like, is this the worst main event in fight night history? Do you remember Norma Dumont and Aspen Lad? Like, we literally <laughs> had a, we literally had to sit through that. We had <laughs> Norma Dumont and Aspen Lad. So yeah. it, it could be worse, folks. It could be a lot worse. But um, if you think that this one is is not going to be fun, uh, I, I, I urge you, sit and watch. Uh, this is going to be high-level stuff. You may not see... Uh, the flash and everything, but this is going to be high level uh, MMA. Um, as far as my pick, man, I was really impressed with what I saw um, Sarukian do to Joel Alvarez. Um, I think he, I think he's at a point now where everything's starting to come together for him. Uh, the way that he just decimated Joel Alvarez, and Alvarez was on a was on, was at a point where a lot of people were starting to. Uh, get on his back like man if he can just get his weight under control like he could be a problem but uh, despite the size disadvantage Sarukian absolutely annihilated him I think that this is the fight that uh, you said that uh, Lauren saw and was like oh my gosh like yeah. <laughs> with all the blood Joel that was Alvarez covering uh, bleeding everywhere yeah yeah it, it was Sarukian just had his way with him man um, but Gamrod Gamrod is really really tough I think this is going to be a great fight uh, I think the odds should be a lot closer because uh, you know Gamrot's knocked out or uh, he submitted Jeremy Stevens, and he uh, you know beating Diego Ferreira, you know a guy who's who was ranked that's no easy feat, and then Sarukin took Islam to the limit. So this yeah. is going to be a, a very good fight. But my pick uh, is with Sarukin, and I'm just so I was so blown away by what I saw uh, with Joe Alvarez. I think he's it's all coming together for him. Armand Sarukian is 18 and two. His only loss in the UFC, like you said, is to Islam Mahashev, who has pretty much dominated everybody in his path. And uh, Sarukian, I think, has probably been his toughest test to this point. Uh, Matus Gamrot, actually, I think some people, I think it might be pronounced Matoush, maybe, but I'm going Matus Gamrot because that's what I've always called him. Yeah. Um, he is 20 and one. 
his only loss is to Gumar, who we just saw last Saturday. And I don't know if you remember that. Fu- well, you told me last week you didn't remember. That loss to Gumar was one of those that it like it was a split decision. And I remember watching it, thinking that could have gone either way. And I think I even scored that for Gamrot as opposed to Gumar. But um, it was such a close fight that it's one of those that it's like you know nobody really lost, uh, despite what the scorecards may say. It was just. Uh, back and forth. I, I love this matchup. Um, like Sarukian's last opponent, uh, he's given up some size. Gamrod, I think, is three or four inches taller, although Sarukian does have the reach advantage here. Um, you take into account, for me at least, the the ground game of Sarukian on top of uh, I do think that he's a pretty skilled striker, uh, despite you know that may not being his best weapon. Um, this is a Sarukian win for me, but I am really excited about this fight. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and at the end of the day, I think either one of these guys could come out with their hand raised, so uh, I loved the matchup when it was announced. I don't hate that it's a main event, despite what some people might say. Uh, and, you know, if you're a casual and have no idea who these guys are, don't hate on this fight. Give it a chance and watch it because, uh, you know, either one of these guys could certainly be a big player at 155. Man, you know, I can remember being the type of fan that would see a main event like this, you know, not really recognizing any of the names or didn't just be like, ah, uh, but. Now I'm such a hardcore, like, I see these names and I'm just like, yes, like, this is going to be such a good fight. Like, I can remember when there was fight nights and, uh, what uh, fight night? Oh, Conor McGregor and Diego Brandau. Prime example. I didn't know who Conor McGregor was. And I specifically said, oh, I'm not going to watch that. But now I, I, I look back and I'm like, how, like yeah. you were such a casual. You didn't know who Conor McGregor was. So you just decided not to watch it. And then he becomes the biggest superstar in the sport. Not saying that. Sarukian and Gamrot are, are Conor McGregor or anything, but I mean, and, unless you see Aspen Ladd and Norman Dumont, like give these main events a chance because most of the time the main events are are at least worth watching. Like sometimes the rest of the card can be a little, you know, iffy, but a lot of the times the main events are something to to really watch. And and this one is as good as it gets. Uh, you're going to see some very high level yeah. MMA. Both these guys are incredibly skilled, incredibly versatile. What was the Holly Holm main event two weeks ago? Uh, Holly Holm and uh, Kevin Vieira. That's right. Give me this fight over that fight all day, every day. Not even close. Ten out of ten times out of ten. Yeah. Easy. And 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 most people would be like, oh, I know who Holly Holm is. I would rather see Holly right. Holm. Trust me. You would rather see this fight. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, that Holm and Vieira fight was good, but um, in terms of high level MMA, you you definitely are going to want to see Gamrod and Sarukia. This may not mean much to some people, but both of these guys have a number next to their name in the lightweight division of the UFC. Like, yeah, that is and the, that should tell you everything that you need to know. The old, here's the names that are currently ahead of those guys at 155. Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Islam Mahashev, Michael Chandler, Benil Dariush, RDA, Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson and Rafael Fazeev. Those are the only 155ers on this planet that are currently ranked ahead of Armand Sarukian and Matus Gamera. And right behind them are Dan is Dan Hooker, Brad Riddell and Diego Fajeda. Yeah, and, and then we have, like, Demir and Garam, like, who, who's not even ranked. Like, this division is so loaded yeah. for these two guys to have a number next to their name. And uh, Gamrot only has one loss on his record. Sarukian has two losses. Uh, Sarukian's won five in a row. I think Gamrot's won three in a row. And, like, I know, like, we got, we've got stars in this division. You got your Charles and your Connors and your Poirier's, Gaethje, Michael Chandler and everything. But in terms of skill... Uh, these two guys can compete with all of them. So, yeah, th- this is this is a very fun main event, and I, I know we're we're doing all we can 
to to hype up this main event, and it may not even it may not even work. But I mean, I know you you may have to be hardcore fans to watch this one. But if you if you're a casual looking to become a hardcore fan, this is a fight that you would definitely want to watch. If for no other reason, the winner of this fight is getting a massive name next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like all those na- all those names that you listed are guys who are who are stars, guys who have been in main events. Um, I kind of feel like the winner of this fight gets uh, Rafael Fazeev. Or did, did did he get booked? Yeah, Fazeev's got uh, RDA, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Never mind then. Uh, I thought Fazeev didn't have a fight booked. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the, whoever wins this fight is going to definitely uh, be fighting one of these guys. Like, man, the possibilities of these guys. <laughs> Tony Ferguson, Connor, RDA, Fazeev winner. Like, Benil Dariush, who... Might get screwed out of a potential title shot. You know, uh, I don't know, man. But this is a, a fight that's happening at the right time. Uh, these guys are are in the same type of uh, area in the division trying to move up, man. So uh, this is going to be an incredible fight. I love it. All right, man. Uh, so we're on the same side across the board on this fight card. So you will retain your four-point lead going into next week, which is uh, – what do we have next week? Uh, it is – Nothing next week. Are we off next no, week? No, wait. Next? No, no, no. Next week is uh, uh, 276. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I was thinking <laughs> I, I, I was thinking that's in July, and we still had another weekend in June. But yeah, yeah you're, you're right. I, I, thought the, I, thought the, I thought the exact same thing, but I was like, oh, it, it is the end of the month. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking that was still two uh, weeks away. But yeah, you're right. That is uh, okay. So there you go. 270, which, by the way, good Lord. I know we talked about it a little bit, but 276. That's is literally fucking next... loaded. Oh my gosh, that is literally next weekend. Fuck. That That's... fight card is stupid loaded. Stupid loaded, man. Oh my gosh. Insane. Uh, I, pulled, man. I just put up the card. I mean, international fight week. I don't think they've done an international fight week as good as this one in a long time. I mean, you got your superstar Izzy. Against Jared Cannonier, that's not even the best fighter on the card. Volkanovski, <laughs> Holloway, three. Sean Strickland, and Alex Fajeda, like that's going to be crazy. Misha Tate, Lauren Murphy at flyweight. Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz, fight of the night. Robbie Lawler, Brian Barberina, fight of the night. Jessica I, Mason Barber, Bobby Green, Jim Miller, Uriah Hall, Andre Muniz, uh, Brad Tavares, Drakens Duplessis. This fight card. Brad Riddell, Jalen Turner. Stacked. Yeah, and Jalen Turner, a 6'3 lightweight, another name that we don't even get to mention a lot. Ian Gary is on this card. Ian Gary, man. Did you say Jim Miller and Bobby Green? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's stupid. This card is so loaded. Man, I can't believe that that it's literally next weekend. Yeah. (laughs) And we were like, what's next week? Yeah. Well, I I was thinking that we still had another weekend in June before we got to July, so yeah. (laughs) But, I, I did too. Like I was, I was about to say, wait, who is? I was like, what's oh, the, what's the lab? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, that's crazy. Kind of crept up on us, didn't it? We might have to do um, an extended picks for two seventy six, like be on the main card because, like, how, like too many great how fights. Many, how many extended picks? Because I low key feel like we could make we a pick. Probably for every do fight the entire. We could probably do the entire card <laughs> if we wanted to. <laughs> we could. Yeah. Oh man, this fight card is is incredible, man. Insane. I can't wait. 
Yep, it'll be fun. All right, man. Enjoy this fight card this weekend. Uh, like I said, I think this is a sneaky good one this weekend, and then you have the blockbuster for 276 uh, one week from Saturday night. We'll do it again next week, my friend. That is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. Will, we'll catch up Saturday. All right, man. Good luck. Okay, it's over.